As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. No matter where I go, home will always be my favorite place to visit. And no, I'm not talking about the house I live in now with my husband, even though that is near the top of my list. I'm talking about home, Eastern Kentucky. If you have been a longtime listener of the show, you know that both Allison and I have a deep-rooted love for our hometowns. For me, driving up my hauler allows me to let go and release so much tension I bear without even realizing I had such a load on my shoulders. While each visit special on its own, nothing compares to Eastern Kentucky during a holiday. Rain, sun, sleet, or snow, I will make it home for the holidays. There's nothing like sitting around my mammy's kitchen table laughing, making rolls, and eating with my family. Family is such a strange and beautiful thing. My mom often compares families to quilts. She says that we're sewed together, each piece or person connected to the next, and that even though we may unravel some, and some squares might fade after dozens of trips to the washer, we're one unit, strong and united under the love we share for each other, and at the same time, left broken or unraveled, as my mom would say, when someone on our quilt fades away. My mammy quilts by hand quilts for each of her grandchildren and her children for special occasions, weddings, babies, graduations, and sometimes just because she can. What is the most devastating is when a new quilt fades quickly. The new pieces start to slip away with each wash, and your heart breaks a little each time you have to run it through the washer again. Then finally, you can't take looking at all that love unraveled, and you put it away for safekeeping. How nice would it be if we could store our loved ones away for safekeeping too? If you notice them fading, you could just put them in a cedar chest with all your precious things, but our world doesn't work that way. And sometimes, as we have come all too accustomed to, some young pieces in our quilt are unraveled from the rest too soon. When a 14-year-old girl is snatched off the sidewalk and found dead hours later, it hurts. The threads that were holding a family together are ripped apart and the patching begins. But as any quilt maker knows, patches never blend like they should, and families never heal when death knocks at the door. This is the story of Nancy Eagleson.
Welcome to Coffee in Cases, where we like our coffee hot and our cases cold. My name is Allison Williams. And my name is Maggie Dameron. We will be telling stories each week in the hopes that someone out there with any information concerning the case will take those tips to law enforcement so justice and closure can be brought to these families. With each case, we encourage you to continue in the conversation on our Facebook page, Coffee and Cases Podcast, and to follow us on Instagram at Coffee Cases Podcast and on TikTok at Coffee and Cases Podcast. Because as these families know, conversation helps to keep their missing family member in the public consciousness, helping to keep their memories alive. So sit back, sip your coffee, and listen to what's brewing this week. Allison, I know I've said it before, but it seems that we are covering so many children's cases um, since we started doing these lesser known cases, and it breaks my heart. Yeah, I know we talked about it with the Erica Baker case that you covered, too. I know, and it, like I said, it makes me sad, but at the same time, I am glad that you know, we're covering cases that not many people have heard of. And today's case, if I'm being honest, was one that I had never heard of. Um, and research was really slim on this one. Um, mm-hmm. And I know you talked about that last week. Um, it was really similar. Like I could only find, I think, two articles from around the time it happened. And then some from like more recent things that have taken place. But there were like, really no articles that I found that were like, here's a list of suspects or here's someone that they thought were was involved. So it was, this one was difficult to research, but yeah, like her story was so brutal and upsetting that I felt that it had to be covered. Mm-hmm. So listeners be warned. Um, we will be discussing rape and some other just like kind of gruesome details in today's episode. So just know going in, we're going to be talking about some sensitive topics. Right. So listener discretion is advised. Yes. Nancy was just like every other 14-year-old girl back on November 13th of 1960. And I say that she was like any 14-year-old girl, but I guess I could really just say she was like any girl because (laughs) Nancy had talked her mom into buying her a pair of new high heel shoes. Oh, that's like right up my alley. (laughs) And she was so excited. Um, And Allison is the sporter of high heels. She wears them every day to work and she's a superhero. (laughs) I know. There's so many people are like, how are you doing this? And I'm thinking, because I have to. (laughs) I even have a tape dispenser that looks like a high heel too. (laughs) And she always dresses so cute. And then I'm like, in my kids' tennis shoes. (laughs) (laughs) So I get Nancy's excitement. Yeah, so she was super excited to, like, she was getting ready to sport these new high heels to church that day. Um, And she, being 14, uh, actually helped in the nursery at her church, which I thought was kind of cool. Yeah. Um, I know, like you said, high heel shoes excite you. Nothing really excites me more than Krispy Kreme donuts and a new pair of shoes. Okay, well, I get that excitement, too. (laughs) And I know. that one. And I know, Allison, that um, you teach kids that are a little older than me, but your little sooth hound is not too much younger than Nancy. And I know kids that age love showing off their new shoes at school. Absolutely. They walk weird so they don't get creases. Like, they're obsessed. Yes. (laughs) Um, And I'm sure. I want people to notice. 
yes oh yeah they do and like they kind of get upset if you don't say something <laughs> right yeah because then they'll be like mrs williams do you like my new shoes yeah. like how have you not noticed <laughs> yeah didn't you see my new shoes miss tamarin <laughs> <laughs> so i'm sure nancy had plans to not only show these shoes off at church on sunday but also at school on monday Mm -hmm. um, but sadly she would never get the chance to show her friends at school her new shoes mm. so while the rest of the town was getting ready for thanksgiving weekend and i know that we have a lot of international listeners um but thanksgiving is an american holiday and we celebrate i think it it's originally a celebration of like the pilgrims survival through winter but we basically in my household starve ourselves approximately 12 hours before dinner <laughs> so that we are able to eat a huge plate of delicious foods. Yes. When Maggie says huge plate, I know your house is much like mine. And I'm telling you, I make turkey and ham yes. and there's cranberry sauce and there's stuffing and mashed potatoes and gravy and corn and green beans and sweet potato casserole and rolls and probably a couple more sides that I'm forgetting. And then there's dessert. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so that's, and I mean, you can't leave a dish out. So yeah. So hence the reason you have to starve is. yourself so that mm -hmm. you, we can be gluttonous right. and eat our weight in food. <laughs> um, so Nancy and her little sister, Cheryl, um, were planning not only to enjoy the Thanksgiving dinner that was coming up, um, but their most immediate plans were they were going to watch a new movie at the local movie theater. Okay. According to a newspaper in Paulding County Progress, Nancy's parents were making her favorite meal, pork chops and hominy for dinner. And Nancy and her sister were planning to go to the movie. And her mom had agreed to let them stop by Johnson's restaurant to grab Cokes after the movie, like on their way home. And she had those new shoes that she was wearing. So she's having like the best day. Uh, sounds amazing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like one good thing after another. Exactly. Um, so after dinner, it was just a typical day at Nancy's house. Nancy's dad went into the living room and her mom in this article recalls her staying in the kitchen, just talking with her mom. Um, or she recalls Nancy staying in the kitchen, just talking with her until she decided to go to her room to write letters to her pen pals. Oh, I loved that. I know. And I did you write pen pal to pen pals in school? Yes. I remember like particularly in third grade, I don't know how our teacher set it up, but we all got a pen pal and I actually wrote back and forth with my pen pal for almost the entire year. Like, oh yeah. A lot longer than all the other kids did. Yeah, we did it in, it was fourth grade. And I had two who were from California. Cool. That I used to write to. I loved that. that because it was so exciting to like get something in the mail. Yes, exactly. Yes. <laughs> Pre-technology, pre we looked forward to the pen pal letters that came in the mail. That's right. Um, so Nancy was scribbling away and Cheryl was preparing to watch that movie, which was called David and Bathsheba, which I have never heard of. No, but apparently it's based on the Bible story. Yes. But that sounds a little scandalous for 14 year olds. Well, they said that it was on that Bible story. Yeah. And they said it was like a hit at that time, but 
and Cheryl is younger than Nancy. I think in some articles I read she was like five or six. Oh. Maybe it's a cartoon. Maybe. Maybe it leaves out the fact that, you know, David sent Bathsheba's husband into battle to be killed so he could sleep with her. Yeah. I mean, maybe it leaves that part out. Yeah. The the whole point (laughs) of the story. Yeah. (laughs) So in my mind, um, I picture all of this taking place much later. Um, But actually, Nancy and Cheryl were on their way home from grabbing their soda around 7.20 p.m. So I'm guessing that, like, they had an early Sunday dinner and they caught, like, a matinee showing mm-hmm. yeah like maybe eat at like four thirty or 5 yeah go to a movie yeah and from my research it appears that nancy's house was not too far from the movie theater or the restaurant because nancy and her little sister walked at least i know walked home after drinking their cokes and i'm assuming they walked to the movie theater as well okay so basically her mom she didn't take them. She just said, you can stop by Johnson's restaurant to get the Cokes. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Because they live close. Yeah. And again, we say this all the time. It was a different time. Yeah. There's a lot I more mean, like walking, you know, where you need to go. Like I picture Leave It to Beaver. Right. The, when it's 1960. Yeah. Or like Brady Bunch or something. Yeah. And from a quick Google search, Paulding, Ohio seems like... um like a town like that it uh, looks like somewhere where everyone knows everyone which is why i'm sure that her mom felt comfortable letting 14 year old nancy and her little sister walk to the movies um yeah. cheryl recalled that as they passed over flat rock creek a car passed them and the girls took no notice so i'm assuming they were used to walking i would be mm-hmm. freaking out if a car passed me but i'm from the sounds of it, they're used to this. Right. And plus 14. I mean, that's usually the age. I think I was babysitting other people's kids around mm-hmm. that age. Yeah, I know for sure I was babysitting my cousin at that time. So you're a little more independent. Right. So, And that makes sense that mom would feel comfortable letting Nancy go with her little sister. Mm-hmm. But when a second car slowed as it approached them and stopped, the girls, I'm sure, began to worry. Uh, I'd be freaking out. Yes. And sadly, Allison, Nancy was pulled into that car as Cheryl ran away screaming for help. Oh, and poor Cheryl. I mean, you know, if you're that young, you're not. All you know is fear. Yeah. And which props to her, because despite the fact that she was young and like I said, um, some newspaper reports said that she was five. Um, I couldn't verify that anywhere, though. I just know she was younger than Nancy. Um, mm-hmm. She knew to run to an adult's house. So she quickly ran to a neighbor's house and told them that a man with glasses had pulled Nancy into a light colored car. So she even remembers some of what he looked like and the color of the car he was in. That's actually very impressive. I know. Because, again, you know, in my head, I would imagine, you know, a five-year-old would just be so afraid that they they wouldn't even, like, take in those details. So, mm-hmm. the fact that she remembered that stuff and knew to go to an adult's house, obviously, their parents taught them well what to do. Mm-hmm. And unlike most of our cases where the search for the victim can go on for days, weeks, months, and sometimes years, um, the same cannot be said for Sweet Nancy. 
Sadly, Nancy's body was found only about five and a half hours after she was reported missing by two raccoon hunters in like a secluded wooded area. Oh my gosh. Yeah, and I actually talked with um, Nancy's younger, younger sister, Meryl, who wasn't, um, from, if I'm remembering correctly from our conversation, I don't think that she had been born yet um, uh-huh. when Nancy had disappeared. And she said that her mom um, could even, like, could vividly tell this story to the point that she had felt like she had been there. Like she, her Gosh. mom just never forgot anything and could vividly remember all those reports. Well, and you know, I talk all the, it, no matter what happens to your loved one, I can't imagine the grief that you go through. Mm-hmm. And for Nancy's mom, it's almost like, you know, for those who have missing and murdered loved ones for whom it's like years before any developments, I feel like they at least eventually get to the point where they allow themselves to consider the fact that maybe their loved one is no longer alive, but five and a half hours, like that wouldn't even be something that would cross my mind yet. Like I would Mm -hmm. still be thinking my child is out there somewhere. I just have to find her. Yeah, exactly. I would not even be thinking that she had been uh, murdered. Right. And Nancy had not... Like, I don't know why Nancy's case, because we've covered a lot of cases, but her case, I'm like, I really, like, want to know, I want Nancy to have justice. I want her family to have peace. And I know we mm-hmm. always want that, but, like, mm-hmm. something about her case just really pulls at me. Um, Nancy had been shot in the face. That's oh how she gosh. died. So, like, not, I can only imagine how terrified she is anyways to be in this situation and then to literally stare down the barrel of the gun that's going to kill you right and as if that wasn't horrific enough she had also been raped before she was murdered oh my gosh and from what i read online it seems that Everyone agrees, all the, like, professionals agree that her abductions was a means just to sexually assault her. Like, Mm. there was no other reason that they would have abducted her. Um, Nancy was carrying a purse that night with, you know, with her little high heels and a scarf Mm -hmm. and things like that. But all of those items, like, I could not find in the articles from the time period that said if they had done anything with those articles, I could only find an article that had said throughout the years, those items had disappeared. Had disappeared. Yes. Yeah. And I'll talk, I know it's so weird and I will talk more about it because it comes into play. Like at least in my mind, it comes into play big time. Yeah. That seems awfully suspicious. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I agree. And police had, other than the things that, like, that Cheryl was able to tell them, they have little to no evidence to go on. They recovered nothing from the scene of the crime. So, you know, no tire marks, no footprints, nothing. And wow. so, so all they know is glasses, light-colored car. 
Yeah. And if it weren't for Cheryl, they, I don't even think they would have had that much to go on. Part of me wonders like if this case had happened at a later time, because this is 1960, would we have, like, would we be further along in the case because we have so Mm -hmm. many advances today? Like, you know, DNA testing wasn't a thing in 1960. So I'm wondering if, you know, the outcome could have been different. Right. Or even like street cameras. Oh, yeah. Or like people's home security cameras. Right. Something. I hadn't thought of that. According to Area Slaying Victim to be Buried Today, Paulding County Sheriff John Keller, who was the sheriff at the time, had a list of possible suspects, and they were all criminals in the area. Um, And when I talked to Meryl, she actually said that um, polygraphs were given to several of the suspects, and apparently the suspect list was a long list. Um, Oh. I never saw anywhere in like a news article where there were named suspects Um, i found some stuff in blogs and i'm going to talk about that Um, but like none of the articles that i were able that i was able to find listed suspects but she said that there there was a long list of suspects so most people in the town so this town is around 2500 people so it is tiny yeah that's super small have their own idea of what they think happened to Nancy, but none of them could figure out who in their town would want to kidnap, rape, and, mor- and murder a 14-year-old girl. Right. Like, I Yeah, but, I mean, even the act, obviously I know a stranger could sexually assault a girl. And I guess, you know, I think we talked about it with the alphabet killer, you know, um, mm-hmm. The, the one who was strangled from the front. So mm-hmm. I don't even, at, at, on the one hand, it seems like to be shot, especially in the face, seems very personal. But mm-hmm. I know that there are times when it's not. So I guess it's hard because you don't even know if this is a local or an outsider. Right. Um, and the sheriff at the time, like I said, had a list of suspects and a list of persons of interest. And he said in that article I mentioned above that he would be, quote, questioning those people concerning their whereabouts on the day that Nancy was abducted and murdered. Okay. And so at least find out, like, where were you? Do you have an alibi? Exactly. Exactly. Um, And in that same article, Keller actually said that he had contacted Chicago police, which this was weird to me, about a similar murder in the Chicago area. And it seems that this victim had been found in a wooded area and had been raped. And I guess he wanted to compare notes with that that case to see if maybe we were looking at like a serial killer type thing. Uh Uh, But for my research, it appears no connection was ever established between the two of those. That seems, well, the only reason I guess it seems bizarre is I feel like a lot of law enforcement agencies, even now, it takes them a long time to ever get to that point where they're even considering like similar cases in other areas because there's not that communication and sharing about cases between law enforcement agencies like there should. Mm -hmm. But for this case to be in 1960 Mm -hmm. and he's contacting them, that. That seems out of the ordinary. And I think some some people in the town would agree with you because there are three 
like theories to Nancy's killer. One okay. is that Nancy's death was due to a traveler who was passing through the area. So she was just like a happenstance top death. Like she just happened to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. The others think that it was a local man. So maybe someone who knew her or would have at least known the area because of where her body was put. Okay. Because again, it's rural. Mm -hmm. So just like we talked about last week with Clarice's case, the fact that that was a rural road that really only locals would go down. Yeah. Right. How would a stranger to the area know that this is a secluded wooded area? I mean, it's I guess you could drive by and see it, but especially if it's off the beaten path, you wouldn't necessarily. Yeah. And it's not like they had GPS in 1960 and he, they, right. he or she could drive and then put their address to get back home in a GPS. Like, I feel like they would need to know where they're going. Heck, I get lost downtown. You Me know, too. City. I'm like, wait, all these one-way roads are me confusing me. And Anthony will be like, we've driven down here like 50,000 times, and I still have to tell you where to turn. I'm like, yes, sir, you do. Yep. <laughs> um, and there are still others, Allison, that think that this person who did this to Nancy was someone who was very close to the case. Close as in law enforcement? Close as in, many believe that a deputy sheriff was who killed, raped, and shot Nancy. Mm. And actually, when I talked to Merrill, she said, quote, the town believes the sheriff done it, end quote. She even said, Nancy campaigned for him and knew him well. Oh. But I read, everything that I read said that it was a deputy sheriff and not the sheriff that I mm -hmm. mentioned above. But mm -hmm. like I said, research was really slim on this. So they could be talking about the same people when right. they say deputy sheriff and the sheriff she was referring to. Well, so, I know you're probably going to get into it, but the fact that you said that some of the evidence disappeared over the years. Mm -hmm. I get why some people believe the theory. Just, you just wait. Just oh, no. wait. Um, so, like I said, I was unable to find anything that, like, talked in detail about this deputy being a suspect. Mm -hmm. um, but it is mentioned briefly in a few blogs and articles I read. And so I wanted to go ahead and talk about it. Um, but, you know, sleuth hounds just know going in that like i said i did not find this on any news like station or reliable like article right and even i guess her sister meryl basically said it's the rumor around town right okay so like i said there are those who speculate that a deputy was behind nancy's attack and death and after reading some recent articles and like you picked up on Allison, I can see why this theory holds after all of these years. Um, I first stumbled upon this theory in an article in New Centennial by Leo Morris. And he actually mentioned Nancy in the closing. Like his article wasn't like devoted to Nancy, but he mentions her in the closing. Mm -hmm. um, his article is about like armed police officers in school. And this is okay. what he says about Nancy. 
quote, we really don't want armed cops in our schools. They have incredibly high divorce rates and an incredibly high rate of child abuse. Am I the only one who remembers little Nancy Eagleson kidnapped and found that night about five miles away by raccoon hunters? The girl was naked with signs of having been raped. Sheriff John Keller said he knew who did it, but he didn't have the evidence to charge him. Of course, one of his deputies was driving a car that matched the description of the kidnapper's vehicle. And golly gee, when I saw Deputy Scarborough waiting in his parked car about three days later, I complimented him on his attractive new seat covers. He immediately decided he needed to go somewhere, but he moved his car to a different parking space less than a block away, end quote. Oh, my goodness. So... There's There's so much in that quote to unpack, like the fact that there's a high rate of child abuse. No idea about that fact. Yeah, I've never heard that fact. And then the fact that this newspaper writer is saying he saw the deputy sheriff, who many believe was involved, who has a car who looks identical to that that Cheryl noted, and he has new seat covers, which means... There could have been something on the seat. Okay, that's what I said. So that's exactly what I was thinking when I read this, because this quote to me makes it appear that days after Nancy's death, this deputy got new seat covers, which is always a bad sign. Like, what the heck are you trying to cover up days I've after never a girl new is seat murdered? Covers. Yeah, ever. Yeah, so that's weird. So. It's weird that, you know, one, he's got the new seat covers. Two, his car matches the description the sister gave. Mm-hmm. And it's weird that he was never brought in for questioning. Mm, that is weird. So many blame the sheriff saying he did nothing to this deputy despite all of the evidence that he could have potentially had against him. I mean, I do think that I know, like, I'm sure it's kind of like a brotherhood sisterhood right Mm -hmm. with law enforcement like feeling the need to protect your own Mm -hmm. but at the same time if there seems to be all this evidence and there are so many similarities then i agree that he should have been questioned yeah at least brought in for questioning yep so allison and sleuth hounds as i mentioned before there are several recent articles about nancy's case and i want to spend a little bit of time talking about the events that have transpired since 1960 okay i mean by recent i mean most of these were published around like 2013 oh that is pretty recent Mm -hmm. though Mm -hmm. so apparently this old jailhouse in paulding was sold in early 2013 to jeff and cassie hollis And their plan was to work on restoring the jail and to offer overnight paranormal investigations. Mm, Nope, I'm out. Yeah, this is a pass for me. Like, mm mm-mm. Yeah, mm mm-mm. That scares me to death. Like, the one thing I can always remember my mom saying to me growing up was that if I put good thoughts into my head, good thoughts would come out. And that has, like, stuck with me over the years. So while I love true crime and I love true crime broadcasts and a true crime documentary, you will not find me watching anything, like, demonic scary on TV or going into places that are haunted. Like, I just am not about exposing myself to that. Yeah, I am with you one hundred like there's there's no way i would play within a ouija board oh no nope Mm -mm. nope 
there's no way like near us in is it louisville that there's the yeah waverly uh, hills yes waverly hills nope and they say there's all kinds of paranormal nope because i honestly think you know i feel like i'm right about this i would think that a demon isn't going to go after somebody who's already evil a demon's right. probably going to try to go after somebody who is innocent and i don't want to be that person yeah no so i'm just not going to put myself in that situation so that's pass right. for me that's right but it was reported that several odd and peculiar things have both happened and been found inside this jailhouse. Okay. One thing that was found was a tiny black high heel shoe. Uh, like Nancy's new shoes? Yes, because what had Nancy been so excited about wearing the day that she was killed? Her high heels. Yeah, like her mom had literally just bought her a new pair of high heels. And if you mm. remember from earlier in the episode, I said that many pieces of evidence from Nancy's case had like disappeared or gone missing. See, those things should be like logged into evidence, like files, boxes. That is what I thought, but her purse, her dress, her scarf, and other personal belongings of Nancy had, like, simply disappeared, despite the fact that they should have, like you said, been stored safely in this jail. Hmm. And when it I say disappeared, me, mm. I know, you just yeah. wait. Oh, my gosh. So... When I say disappeared, I literally mean disappeared. Nancy's shoe wasn't found in, like, the back of a filing cabinet or in a drawer and, like, a discarded desk or dresser. Nancy's shoe, a piece of fabric, which I believed to be from her dress but couldn't verify that, and a license plate what? were found, according to Tom's Bulletin, in the process of this restoration, a crew working in the basement knocked out part of a wall underneath a vent. And behind that wall was a narrow passageway between what? stone walls. Okay, I'm creeped out. Okay. They began leveling the dirt on the floor and uncovered the shoe, the material, and the license plate. Okay. This whole theory about the deputy sheriff, then, is feeling to me more and more accurate. That's because what I'm saying. Like, yeah. Like, pieces of evidence were taken one by one and, like, buried so that they would never be found. Because why the heck else would it be, like... You couldn't get to it until you'd knocked out part of a wall under a vent. Yeah, and like passageway, are we talking like crawl space? Oh or are my we gosh, talking that like creeps me out. Me too. Like it's creepy. Yeah, these these items have obviously been placed there. Right. There's no way it goes from being in in a box safely filed to in a passageway behind a wall under a vent. These items were placed there by someone, and I would imagine that the only people who have access to the evidence are law enforcement officers. Exactly. We know that whoever placed these items, they were clearly hiding them, 
right? And we know it had to have been someone who had access to both the evidence and the building. And the only people that would have that access, I feel like, would be the people that, like, the officers that worked there. Yeah, that's what I would think. And so either these are Nancy's, and that gives us a hint in her case, or they're somebody else's. And again, there's another unsolved mystery out there that we don't even know. But I'm telling you right now, those items had to be placed. And I would think it would be the deputy. That's what I think. Um, And Allison, we know for sure that that shoe was Nancy's. Oh. So the... Yep. The Eagleson family was actually contacted and asked what color and size Nancy's shoe was. And then they were told that a similar shoe had been found and that it was believed to possibly have been Nancy's. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, um, in the article that I read, like this wasn't like, you know, them trying to raise like any hopes, but they wanted the family to know that something had been discovered. Mm-hmm. Um, the Eagleson family then contacted the people that had bought the jail and made an appointment to go and see the evidence. And Nancy's mother um, was asked before they showed her the shoe by her daughters to describe the shoe. And okay. the shoe was placed in a plastic bag and taken out after the mom had given her description. And then her description matched the shoe before she even knew what the shoe that she was getting ready to see looked like. Mm-hmm. And she positively identified the shoe as being the one that Nancy was wearing. Wow. Yeah. Now, again, we need a sleuth hound out there who's like, I don't know, a forensic expert. Mm-hmm. But I want to know how long fingerprints can last. And if these items were found... I wonder if the workers like picked them up. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then had, some, because again, if I see a shoe, okay, I might not touch it if it's, you know, under a vent behind a wall in a passageway. Cause I might be like, <laughs> uh, this is something criminal. But if I'm like cleaning out a place and there's a shoe, I'm not thinking, oh, this could be a clue. This could be evidence. Right. And I might pick it up. But I wonder if, if they hadn't touched it, if fingerprints could be on it from that long ago. I well, wonder. they actually, I'm not sure, but I do know that they actually contacted the current sheriff and um, he actually takes the shoe and the cloth as evidence um, mm-hmm. and told the people restoring the jail to kind of close it off and not let anyone near the items that had been removed. Okay. And they even contacted the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children um, to try to find out, like, what their recommendations would be for handling these fines. Mm -hmm. Um, The organization actually ended up coming to the county not long after that um, just to try to investigate Nancy's case. Many people had hoped, like you said, that this shoe and fabric would finally yield answers to the case. And they did send Mm -hmm. the shoe out for testing. I didn't read anywhere where they sent the fabric out, but no DNA was found on the shoe. Darn it. Yeah. So we are still left with more questions and no answers. Oh, that makes me so sad for this family to think like, oh my gosh, like here this was found. 
I still, though, even though there's no DNA on it, and I know obviously that means that, like there's no solid proof to link the deputy sheriff to mm-hmm. it. And I'm not even saying it was that def- deputy sheriff necessarily, but I stand behind my belief that it was someone in that law enforcement office yeah. who took those items purposefully and hid them. And they may not have even been the people who like abducted, raped, and killed Nancy. They could have been people that were trying to protect like a family right. member or something right. like that. But it had to have been someone who worked there that hid those items. Yep, I agree. Nancy still had so much to give the world. At 14, she had her life in front of her. I think all of the what-ifs in her case are what makes it most sad. What if Nancy had been the scientist to find a cure for cancer? What if Nancy had been a pioneer for women's rights? What if Nancy had been the first female president? What Nancy was destined to be will forever be a mystery. Nancy's mother has now passed away, but both of her sisters still fight for justice for Nancy. They hold regular walks in her memory and are still fighting for the answers they so truly deserve. In 2019, this letter to the editor was published. Quote, Dear Editor, Next year will be the 60th year anniversary of the abduction and murder of Nancy Eagleson. Although Nancy's mother passed away in the last year, Nancy's sisters still hope that her murder can be solved with today's technological advances. That hope actually grows stronger. All that's needed is DNA. Can it be obtained? Nothing is impossible. Forensic science may still triumph. It's quite possible that at least one person in the area is becoming more and more alarmed as cold cases, many decades old, are being solved and those responsible are being held accountable. Will there one day be an unwelcome knock on his door? Nancy's remaining family members have decided to move the walk to remember Nancy from November when the crime took place to June, which was Nancy's birth month. Please join friends and family members on Sunday evening, June 30th at 7 p.m. at the former Paulding Theater on Perry Street. From the theater, the walk will proceed approximately five blocks to the abduction site on Flat Rock Drive. In case of rain, please dress appropriately. It's time for answers. Please show support and help celebrate and commemorate a life cut short. Janine Winson. And it is time for answers, Sleuthhounds. We need to do what we can to remember Nancy and bring her family the justice and peace they deserve. Anyone who has information regarding this case is encouraged to call the office at 419-399-3791 or visit www.paldingohsheriff.com. Again, please like and join us on our Facebook page, Coffee and Cases Podcast, to continue the conversation and to see images related to this episode. As always, follow us on Instagram at Coffee Cases Podcast and on TikTok at Coffee and Cases Podcast. Or you can always email us suggestions to Coffee and Cases Podcast at gmail.com. Please tell your friends about our podcast so that more people can be reached to possibly help bring some closure to these families. Don't forget to rate our show and leave us a comment as well. We hope to hear from you soon. Stay together. Stay safe. We'll We'll see see you next week. week.